Leonard Cohen suggested, there is a crack in everything. That's how the light gets in. This viral crack gives us a chance to create something new and better. So let's talk about back to different and let the light in. I'm back the second time today. That's what a glutton for punishment I am. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm recording another, another podcast with, with a human being whom I have been 18 inches away from or talked to on the phone. We're, we are now 18 inches away, at least our pictures are. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the pleasures of this time, and I won't say that the pandemic is a pleasure or the economy or any of those things, is this sudden sense of community that does not know distance, mm-hmm. which is just a blessing. I, I ask people, can you imagine what this time would be if we did not have this technology? Correct. It, it would be the end, <laughs> perhaps. Yeah. So this is uh, Brian Morgan, and I'm going to ask him to uh, share with us kind of how he got here. Well, thanks, Mac, for the, for the opportunity to be on your podcast, and thank you for the very lovely introduction. Uh, and, and I'm also a fan of, uh, to, to be absolutely honest with you, my, my, uh, my, my, my post-pandemic life is not all that different than my pre-pandemic life. I, I'm, in a, I'm in a rather ugly personal office as opposed to my office at World Trade. But other than that, it's pretty much this is what I was doing in my office at World Trade was, was these phone calls and client calls. Uh, it was, you know, so, so, I, so I, I'm, I'm rather lucky maybe in that way that um, in a lot of ways my business wasn't affected by the pandemic. Um, but I appreciate I appreciate the question, uh, and and because I know you, I'm going to answer in a slightly different way for your for your users, for your for your listeners. Um, this, I end up here. The Odyssey ends at I run a business which I absolutely love, which is based on writing, which is based on critical thinking, and uh, there are a couple of you know, hit points along the way, the largest of which was I was the managing editor of a firm that got the World Trade Center built, that got Moynihan Station built, among those other things. And and that taught me a lot of things about how writing goes well in business. And I've been able to turn that into a business and help people make credible statements, which is really only, I would, I would say that's the most lucrative skill in the world is to make is, is the ability to make a credible statement clear to somebody else inside their attention span. And so I help people do that in their marketing and I help people do that inside their reporting. And I help people do that uh, really across any aspect of a business, but to get there in terms of how I learned it, there were two significant failures. Uh, and the first was which when I first got to New York City, as it's called, it's 25 years ago now, um, I thought I was going to be in theater. I thought I was going to be an actor. Uh, and uh, and that, so that was the first failure. That was, that was the very cliche failure. Uh, everybody got that failure. Um, and, uh, and, 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 but, I did, but I did end up running a small little uh, regional theater in upstate New York for a couple of years and learned a lot doing that. Uh, and then I wrote books and, or I wrote a book. I wrote a book for 16 years and did not get it published four years ago. 
And that was devastating. That was because that, that was really, I, I would think, almost life-changing in what I thought my career would be versus what it actually is. That should have been a devastating blow because in theory, I thought I should be speaking at the 92nd Street Y. In theory, I thought I should be on NPR. In theory, and, and without that publishing contract, um, I, I didn't get those things. And I still had a corporate job that I didn't really like. And so, and so, I, and so there, was, there, there, was, there, was a, there was a tremendous amount of discomfort, to use a word that you and I have used already today. Um, there was a there was a tremendous amount of discomfort, um, and I'm now looking back at the discomforts in my life, and there were not an insignificant amount of them. Some of them from childhood, uh, many of them from childhood. I never really got along with my parents, um, and I look back now and say many of these failures, if not all of these failures, taught me. Number one, that my ego was a tremendous difficulty to me. Was that that my my ego was my ego was a mountain between where I was and where I wanted to be, and I had to learn how to scale that thing. That's number one. Uh, and the difficulties were like and the difficulties were like lifting weight. To to a little bit like to to want a life without difficulty is a little bit like saying. I want to gain muscle and be stronger without ever having to lift a weight. Um, then, and, but, but the weights are the thing that rip us up and then make us build back stronger. And so, and, and so th what, what the, the primary building for me, for this, for this business, was rewriting that book for 16 years. That was a, just day in and day out slog of, that sentence isn't good enough. That's not there. That's not, and I don't like the way I spoke to myself about it. I don't like any of that stuff about it. But going through that process made me very, very aware of how to construct things in a good way. Uh, and so, so now that it is practically instinctual, that it, now, now, I'm, now I look at sentences that, that even get published and I think, why the heck did they approach it that way? Uh, but, but, but I did not know that at the beginning. That is, not, that is not a light switch. We do not get that in a light switch. That was a 16-year slog of those sentences over and over and the structure of the story over and over and over again and staring at those documents at that firm over and over and over again and saying, it's still not there. We've got it. Someone's going to write a $2 billion check on the other side of this. We've got to make this clear. It's not yet clear and let's get at it again and let's get at it again. And that muscle building which was frustrating and, and in a lot of ways unsuccessful. Um, I run a business now. I couldn't be happier in my life. Uh, where, where, did, where did that happiness come from? Like where does, where does this joy? I, I, get, I get five hours of sleep a night. I, in certain ways, I shouldn't be happy. I'm thrilled. This is, <laughs> I'm thrilled. This is, this is the, these are the best years of my life. Um, where, where did all of that happen? It happened in the muscle and, and it, happened, it happened in all the uncomfortable sentences and all of the uncomfortable moments and, and learning that I could do it better and do it better and do it better and do it better and staying, and staying dedicated to, to, to those sentences and to learning how to do them better. And it's something I still do. It's just something I'm so practiced at now that I'm, able to, I'm, lucky, I'm lucky enough to be able to, to sell that skill as well. We, we spoke a few weeks ago um, 
and we both share this this insane love of words. Yes. And I mean like a fine madness kind yeah. of insanity. I adore language. I really, really do. Um, I love music, which is language. Yes. Right. Um, and as you said, writing as we as we march it includes a lot of frustration, a lot of, for me, sort of metaphorical head slaps. Like, you know, why did you think anyone would understand that? You don't even, I don't even understand it. You know, so how do you expect somebody else to? Um, um, all these sort of turnabouts, all these, what, what felt like false starts, but they weren't. None of those was a false start. Right. None of those was. And we were talking about we were talking about addiction and we were talking about discomfort and pain. And that um, that sort of itchiness about developing the craft of language, not just writing, but speaking too. Yes. And having a background in theater, which I do, too, I think is of great benefit because theater is about words. Yes. I mean, it's about action, of course, but great theater always has stunning language. Yes. In it. Yes. And I can take that lead if that, if that's a, a good place so, to, to jump in, I'll tell you how I got into writing. You will like the story. Uh, the, the most published playwright in the Samuel French playbook so that you know america's number one publisher of plays so the most published playwright this was true 20 years ago i don't know if this is still true now but was somebody who worked at that small regional theater with me my name fred carmichael he was older and he and and fred uh i was teasing fred i was a young guy i was maybe 26 and i was teasing fred one night we were in this we were in a play together and he was acting and, I, and we were in a play and he was going over a script and i said i said freddie and you don't know the lines. It's the closing night. You don't know the lines. You're just still staring over. Are you that old? You can't remember anything. And he sort of looked over his shoulder at me and says, do you want to, do you want to learn something or are you just going to sit there and be a, be a jerk? <laughs> no. <laughs> what a choice, right? <laughs> so, so I said, no, I mean, no, I appreciate it. So tell me. And he said, and he said, the first time we learned something, particularly in a play, we learn the blocking and we learn, we learn what the director tells us to do. And we learn the lines and we learn, and he says, most people stop there. But he says, every time I'm in a play, I read the whole thing. I read every sentence that I say before I go on the stage. And he says, I've done that. If I was in a play for three years, I did that. And if I was in a play for three weeks, I did that. And, and he says, and what you realize is eventually you start to see things that you didn't see when you were just memorizing and you start to say, why did, why did, why did, why did he, the playwright, uh, give me a comma there and extend that thought into this other thought with a quick change, as opposed to a period and then a new thought? Why, like, why did he give me that hint? Because I've been saying that line as if it's two separate thoughts, but it's not two separate thoughts. They run together. And he gave me the comma to, to indicate to me that they run together. And, and that made me think about how that character is really in that moment. It's not as succinct as I thought it was, he's thinking it through. He's still processing information at that point. He's not, he's not, he's not thought it through and he's giving it in two distinct lines. There's a comma here and that's different than a period. 
And he says, you don't know that the first time that you, and I'm paraphrasing, but I'm close. And he, and he says, you, you don't know that the first time that you memorize something. And I was blown away. And this is dead true, Matt. I started looking at plays like that. My reviews went through the roof. Yep. I desire to be an actor went to the toilet because I knew all the power was in the writing. The minute we stopped saying, this is how I am going to do Hamlet. This is how I am going to write. And the minute we start saying, what does Shakespeare tell me about Hamlet? Like, how am I interpreting that? How am I, right? And forget me, 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 my interpretation is nothing. It's good enough on its own. I've just got to make it come to life. And the minute, the minute we get out of the way of it and we just let the language do its thing, people go, oh my God, you're an amazing <laughs> You're an amazing actor, right? And you, oh my God. And so, and so, and that was a huge thing for me. And then I was all the power of, of this craft is in the writing. It's just in the writing. It's just in getting out of the way of the writing and understanding more deeply and more deeply the writing. So then I started writing and realized how freaking hard that was. And so, and so, and, and so how do you convey pieces of information, which is what playwrights do do? How do you convey pieces of information inside of somebody else's attention span? And that, and that becomes the, the great difficulty of our human lives. That's, and that's, that's the same difficulty if you're saying, I need $2 billion to build a project, and I've got to get a check from, from you for $2 billion. You're the state of New York. And I got to get it. I got to get a check from you, and and I've got to get it. I've got to get all the information you need inside your attention span. That's the same problem as somebody who's in marketing, as somebody who's on stage, as somebody who's in who's as somebody who's writing a novel. It's the same problem. We only have a certain amount of attention span for information, and the language we use has to be effective enough inside that information, inside that attention span, in order to get us, in order to move somebody from A to B, whatever it is. And, and when we control that process, well, we have enough control of language to control that process, we have the world. There is nothing we can't do. Want to make money? That's how we do it. Want to run a better business? That's how we do it. Want to give someone feedback in a relationship? That's how we do it. Like the whole world exists inside that paradigm. And I think if we're going to get fascinated about how human beings live and why it is us. It is modern human beings, not Neanderthals, not, it is language. This is the tool of the human. This is, this is the human being superpower. It's the ability to communicate, not being the strongest animal on the planet, but the ability to communicate inside someone else's attention span and say, you think we should attack from the left. I think we should attack from the right. We're under attack. We don't have that much reason, but we have to, but we have to decide which one we're going to do. These are my three reasons quickly. And I think they're the most credible. These are my three reasons quickly. And I think they're most credible. Who's got the most credible argument? Go. It's the only reason we're still alive. And it's language. We think in language. And so does everybody who buys a product and everybody who buys a book. And everybody, everybody thinks in language. And the minute we can control the presentation of language inside someone else's attention span, we've got the most We've, we've got the most useful skill in the history of the world. Wow. <laughs> that was, that was a homily. Yeah, I apologize. <laughs> no apology necessary, brother. Um, I'm, 
you know, watching you, and uh, when we spoke last time, I, I didn't, I didn't see you. We were just on right. the old technology, the uh, telephone. Yes. But there was that same sense of shining eyes, even though it was a shining voice. Mm. So two things from from my own theater experience. One is just a funny story. The other one is, I think, confluent with what you were saying. Um, I had a small part in On Golden Pond. I was Bill the Dentist. Hey. And the guy who was playing the Henry Fonda character in the play I was in was losing it. Yeah. So when I was, I was on a, a scene with just him for about five minutes, I never knew what was going to come out of his mouth. Yeah. It was completely random. So I became such a good uh, faker because I had to leave the scene at the same place. So when the people came back, they could pick it up from there. So I learned to kind of, go left, go right, go left, go right, and, and still be funny, and still react to what he, and it, it was, it was fascinating, I, I was really, I was furious with him for the first couple of nights, and then I thought, this, this is going to be fun. The second thing that occurs to me, I, the uh, last play I did was called The Clearing, and uh, I played an Englishman in Ireland when Cromwell was basically trying to get rid of Irish entirely. So I had to go from this ecstatically happy, newly married, brand new baby to a complete puddle on the floor by the end. Right. And as a, as an actor, we're part of a, of a community on stage. You know, people count on us for our blocking, for our, for a whole bunch of stuff. And all of a sudden about halfway through, it was no longer Groundhog Day but every night was just like life. It was a little bit different than the night before. And as you were saying, all of a sudden I thought, oh, that's why there's that space there because he needs to come back to something. Um, in your work now, how can you preserve your financial and business success without, not quite violating, but without eroding your sort of almost spiritual connection to language? It's very easy, honestly. Um, I will only hire people. I have to scale through hiring, right? So I, I have two avenues to scale that are gonna work. Uh, one, one is hiring and having people uh, either take on some client calls, which is which is probably an iteration beyond where we are. What's what's more likely right now is that is that I continue with all client calls and all presentations, and then I have some people help me in the background. So that's going to help to scale the business for another year or so. And then beyond that, we have to get people to the point where I'm cloned, right? Where where this where this goes through. So the only person I can hire is somebody who thinks deeply enough to do this. And that is hard. It's hard. There, because, and, and I don't mean that in an egotistical way, I'm sure. Oh. But, but what I mean is my cell phone is full of people who write good sentences and some of them write for the New Yorker. So, so it's not that, it's not that, it's just that, and I, and I don't mean to knock the people who write for the New York Times or the Wall Street Journal or the New Yorker. I just, I just mean that there's a difference between a sentence that's going to sell a newspaper and a sentence that is credible. And, 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 we, and I need to know the difference. And, and my people 
need to know the difference. And there's thousands of people in my phone who can get published in the New Yorker. There are five who know the difference between a sentence that's going to sell a newspaper and the sentence that is credible. There's just not that many. So, so I know that taking on the scaling challenge of my business is taking on a training challenge in the business. That's, num- that's number one. And, and that's like, that is bought and sold with me. I, anybody that I bring in right now is, listen, I don't anticipate making money. In fact, I'm going to lose money to train you. I'm gonna, it's going it's to cost me to train you and it's going to cost me time to train you. But I'm in if you're in a year from now, because I have every, I have every expectation that somebody who's thinking this deeply a year from now can be really making a, a difference, but it's going to take some time to get there. So that's, that's, that's the business challenge. And then number, number two, the number two is, is the easy one, which is some of this is going to be me mm-hmm. on, you know, and then, and then I, I, I do some sort of scaling process where we say, We'll, you know, we'll talk about your marketing uh, and the language you're using, your content and stuff on every Monday night for six weeks. Plus, you'll get these 10 hours of digital lessons and the whole thing's $1,000 or something. So, so, so that, becomes a, that becomes a scalable uh, product. But those are, the, those are the two ways. But it's a, but it's a good question. And, and, I, and I'm very lucky to, to be in this position. I'm, I am 11 months out of my job in a much better position than I would have ever anticipated at this moment in my life. Uh, and, and, and we could stop here, but we shouldn't stop here. Cause I think I'm the only one who's producing this, this way, who's talking about this, this way, we shouldn't stop here. So we're 11th months in, it's fantastic. We have to change. We, and, and, and we have to grow and we have to be able to grow inside our core competency and with the integrity that that's already been established or is starting to be established in the marketplace. And, and I appreciate you bringing it up because, because all of those things, you're absolutely right. The minute, the minute we stop being credible, we're done. That, that just getting your name out isn't enough. Every time you deliver a product, it has to be the same product that I would have delivered myself if I was the only person producing it. Uh, and, that's yeah, and, and you don't want to look in the mirror one morning and see a stranger. Correct. Either, right? Correct. So, two question time. Sure. First question. <clears throat> we are in this time of great dislocation and discomfort and a lot of pain, too, and a lot of cracks, right? Leonard, Leonard Cohen, there's a, there's a crack in everything. That's how the light gets in. Yes. In this crack of time, what do you see as possibilities for people – who are passionate about communication, passionate about understanding. In the work I do about language and leadership, the, the uh, framework which I use is a community of understanding. That should be our goal as language users is to create that. And once it's created, then, then, then we get to live there. <laughs> we get to live in a community of understanding. So what do you see as, as, as possibilities for us to, to move through this? I won't say come out of it because it, it's, you know, at least shards of it are going to be with it 
with us for the rest of humankind, probably, but at least for our lifetimes. What do you see as, as possibilities to build that necessity of greater understanding? I love the question. Um, I think, and, and as simple as this, as this is, maybe the deepest insight I have on anything is that information comes from somewhere. And so, and, and we somehow culturally forget that, that if we really break down what's happened, what, what is happening in the world. 13 years ago, there was a big bang. And I'm 46 years into a process that has gone on for 13 billion, and it's going to go on for many, many more billion after I'm gone. So, so I will be ignorant for as long as I live. And I will always have more ignorance than I have more knowledge in this lifetime. And so whenever I present a piece of information, I have to recognize that it's coming out of context to the whole darn thing. I don't have the whole context. And, and I will never have the whole context. That doesn't mean that I can't deliver credible information to somebody else. It just means I have to know where it comes from. And I have to be able to present the transparency of that thoughtful presentation to someone so that they also understand the credibility of that piece of information. And when I don't understand that, when I say, look, simply, Mac, this is a good thing that you should buy because I told you to, or because it's the right thing to do, or because my political leader on one side or the other said that this is the way it is, that, that whatever, what, whatever, whatever, Piece, the minute I give up control of the transparency of where it comes from, that I have taken someone else's ideas and not thought it through on my own, and I can't come up with my own credible way of understanding it, the minute I, the minute I give that up, I give up good communication. And so every piece of information, we have to be so attentive, and that's going to mean we have to think deeply about it. And when we think deeply about it, that means we have to be in the position. We have to, we have to give ourselves the time to think deeply about it. And, and, so, and, and so do we do that? Do we have calm enough brains to think well in order to present information well? And everybody's going to give you their bullshit scam, right? Oh, don't say, don't, don't, don't say, um, do it this way. Say, do you mind if I make a suggestion? Those are good. Those are good things, right? Those are useful tools, but they're but they're tools on the margin. The quality of the information and the transparency of the depth of that information is the real thing. Now we always get to somebody's shortcut, but the the quality of the information and the depth of that information and how we are assessing that information transparently so that other people can understand it, and that leaves you vulnerable, because that means I think you should write me a two billion dollar check, and this is all the reasons why. And this is everything that I've thought about. And it, and, it, and it means somebody can come along and say, you didn't think about this. You missed it over here. And this is a big deal, right? I think, you're, I think that we should go on a date. And these are the reasons why. You didn't think about this. And I'm not going to do it, right? We're vulnerable. Whenever we present language, we're vulnerable, which is why we're petrified of it, which is why we want to take everybody else's ideas all the time. We're petrified of language. We're petrified of owning the vulnerability of the language. But I think if we own the transparency 
of the thinking, we can own the vulnerability of the language. It just means that you have to have the ability to think it through deeply. And that, and that's almost an ego thing at that point. But so, so that's where I would focus. If somebody were to say, where should we be focusing right there? Right there. What's the transparency of, of the information? And have we thought it through deep, deeply? And can, we, and, can we, and can we show the transparency of that information comfortably? What I think we are hitting on or, or hitting around, I'm also an archer, so uh, is an evolution of how we frame what happens between our brain, our mouth, and your ears. Yes. Is to, is to, is to not just make it look out for that tiger or my foot hurts which are, that's language, I, I get that. But to see this, this thing, this gift, this tool, as capable of, of, of extraordinary, as you said, vulnerability, which is a sign of courage, not a sign of fear. Correct. And to, and, and to start to let go of that knee-jerk, if I really say what I mean, I'm setting myself up. I'm leading with my chin. So I will protect myself and I will, I will gaslight. So my final question for you, Brian, you don't have children, but let's say you do, or you, you, you may someday, you aren't done yet. Right. (laughs) In this 13 billion year journey that you and I are both on. Um, Let's say you're no longer in their way for one, whatever the reason. When they talk about the year 2020, how would you like them to frame how Brian Morgan showed up? Mm. Appreciate that. Um, it's interesting. I don't have children, but I do have two next generation things that I think about reasonably often. Mm-hmm. Uh, one is I teach college as a matter of personal uh, need. Uh, right. And, and, and I, like, I, I'm lucky to not need that income, but I, but I never turned down a college class. Uh, I always find time for college classes. And, and I, I love those students. Uh, before they walk in the door, I love those two. All I wanted to do was serve them. And uh, so I think about that. And I think about what I'm building, which I hope you're a part of, which is uh, what I'd really like is, is a retreat center. I'd really like a, a, I mean, on the ocean. And here we're writing. It's a writer's retreat. It's a business retreat. We've got people coming in and talking about finance. We've got people coming in and talking about language. We've got, but, but it's a, place where where we go and good work happens all the time good meaningful work that pushes the world forward that, that, that helps us think a little bit better that's happening all the time and i think what i'd like people to say about 2020 when it comes to both of those two goals for me is that is that really both things were both things remained important in 2020 that i didn't want something that retreat center. I didn't want a business. I didn't want a, a million dollar business more than I wanted those college kids, which is true. I wanted, I want the million dollar business, 
but I don't need it instead of the college kids. That that giving to those students is incredibly important, and I hope I hope people learn from that. I hope that's one thing that I'm teaching this year, uh, and I hope the other thing that I'm teaching is that. Uh, we're always building the future with the present. And so that retreat center is an outcome of, is an outcome of the conversation that we're having is an outcome of the conversations I have with my clients is an outcome of, um, is, is an outcome of what we read and what we, that, that we're always building better ways to do things with the present. And so I hope my 2020 is also a place where I learned a lot. I think it's, I think it's probably one of the most learn, learning years I've ever had, but where I learned a lot in 2020 to make some of the things that I'm trying to make in the future happen. I think, I think 2020 was a year where I maybe moved 20 or 30% in one year toward the things that I'm trying to make happen. And, uh, and those are blessings, right? When, when those years come, those, those, are, those are real blessings when, when they come. I think the other thing that I would just say to anybody on your podcast who, who needs to hear this, um, when you don't make 20 or 30% progress, and remember, I didn't for a long time, for many, many years, you start banging at that rock and you think it's making no difference at all. Rewriting those sentences, reinvesting that money, learning, going to classes, and it never seems to go anywhere. And it just... Well, there is a year when you make 20 or 30% of difference in one year. And it is all of those hacks at the rock that didn't seem to be making any difference that gives that to us. And so I hope 2020 is also a reflection on that, if anybody needs to hear that. That if 2020 was a year where they felt that they went backwards, but they were hanging at the, they were banging at the rock, I say good for you. Because, because that's progress. We're learning from all of that banging. We're learning from all of that effort. And that's going to have a moment. That's going to have a year. If it's not 2020, that's going to have a year where the big progress shows itself. Fabulous, brother. You know, we don't, we don't, um, we never find our capacity. And I hear in your voice about your teaching and about your work, that faith in the expanding capacity of human understanding if we, as you say, we, if we keep banking the rock, right? And sometimes you get bruised knuckles. I don't want to beat this, you know, simile or metaphor to death. But, yeah, um, we're still fighting the good fight. And that's good. Thank you so much for showing up. You haven't seen the last of me yet. Uh, at some point, I'm going to talk you out of sharing your manuscript of your book with me. Deal. I'll send it to you tonight. I'll send it to me tonight, but watch what you ask for, because I'm liable to send you mine. Beautiful. Okay. I would look forward to that. So um, take really good care of yourself. I love what you're doing, Brian. Thank you. I Thank really you. I love, love what, you're, what you're doing. I love what you're doing. I love your approach. I love what you're doing in your in your career right now, and I love what you're doing with these podcasts, and I'm, I'm grateful to be a part of it, and, and that's a real blessing. Thank you, Mac. Thanks for giving us a listen. As we move forward with this situation, with this thing that's us, let's never forget that we are all in this together. No matter what else happens, we're all in this together. Thank you.